Greetings from Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Ibbett. And I am Ula. <laughs> That's right, the Martians have landed and one of them's here, oh no! Uh, yeah, this is a uh, kind of a, a shoehorned in, you gotta listen to this. This was like a, uh, if you heard the last you got to listen to this episode, then you know exactly what you're getting here. You're getting a bonus episode of you got to listen to this because I was reminded of an album based on Hammond's last choice um, that I felt I couldn't wait until the next mid or between season um, set of episodes. So I decided, well, based on Hammond saying do it, <laughs> decided that uh, that we would just throw another episode in here. So you're getting a bonus uh, episode if you got to listen to this. And it is based on uh, Jeff Wayne's musical version of The War of the Worlds. Now, this is um, an album from 1978 that is that has been redone, not really covered, but, but re-performed with a new cast a couple different times with different... Uh, performers, but it's also got this crazy, like, additional uh, thing going on, like a lot of extra ways you can enjoy this that even I'd never heard of. which I think is a lot of fun. Um, first off, Hammond, let's get to the, the million-dollar question. What did you think of Jeff Wayne's musical version of The War of the Worlds? Okay, before I kind of get into that, I want to tell you that yeah. you, you said it remind, Paris reminded you of this. Yes. I'm going to I'm, up you. Yeah. I'm going to up you and say that <laughs> this reminded me of two things. It reminded okay. me of Alan Parsons' project, Tales of Mystery and Imagination, specifically the Fall of the House of Usher, section sure. the whole long section sure. there it mm -hmm. also kind of reminded me of queen's flash gordon really okay yeah the, the queen flash gordon soundtrack probably because it had so much dialogue like that was a soundtrack album that was as much that was as dialogue heavy as you can do with a soundtrack album and not just make it book on tape it was damn near a musical yeah but yeah i i loved it it's super proggy which Good yes, for you, Brian. Surprised you, right? Good for yeah, you. no kidding. Yeah, uh, super proggy, and it's such a it's such a time capsule of 1978 music because there's a lot of synthesizers <laughs> used. There's also a lot of scoring because, like, yeah. if you think about what was going on popularly at the time, yes, synthesizers were huge. But John Williams mm -hmm. had just rebirthed the the full orchestra mm -hmm. with Star right. Wars music. So it was like, oh, how can we use both of those things? Yeah, and you know, because how can we throw yeah orchestra with a Moog synthesizer yeah. or whatever it is in there? Yeah, and so it was really cool synthesis of those two things, and then you throw in the the story of. So we all know War of the Worlds. It's it's one of those things that we all kind of know, but they shifted we its know. location from Potter's Mill or Potter's Grove, right, and right. stuck it in London. There's also a section of it where he's walking around in the desolated 
world and the music playing and he's talking about this desolation, it kind of reminded me of 28 Days Later, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, the 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 desolation, the um, especially with the UK backdrop mm-hmm. and this like, okay, there's, you know, everybody's holed up or dead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're trying to decide, do I stay in one place? Do I keep running? Do I try and get to a a coastline very much like, you know, fighting the rage virus. It kind of um, it kind of made me want to ask John Murphy if he actually was familiar with this piece of music when he did. Because there, well, I know he used Godspeed, You Dark Emperor for or Black <laughs> Emperor for his part of his, his inspiration. But I'm wondering if this was another aspect of inspiration. Because right. Mur- John Murphy is a huge British composer and that was one of his signature scores. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's... um It'd be great to find out if that was an influence. Uh, I'm going to correct you on something only because there are so many different tellings. I, I, knew, I know the, the I know the city. You're going to correct the city because I Potter's Mill, no Sutter's Mill. Uh, Gro- Grover Grover's Mill is Grover's the, Mill. Okay, Grover's I, Mill, New Jersey. Okay, but that's only and, and I'm not correcting you on getting the city wrong. I'm correcting you on the that iteration of it. So Grover's Mill is just the version that Orson Welles did on the radio in 1938, where he, you know, freaked out all these people who tuned in late and didn't realize that it was a dramatic reading. And it's such a great, I love, 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 love that story. And I did a parody of it on Coverville one year for Halloween with, uh, with David Bowie as the Martians. So it's like, (laughs) it's all covers of David Bowie songs like Starman and the man who fell to earth and stuff like that. And I'm weaving those songs in with the narrative of, uh, of this invasion. But the original H.G. Wells novel uh, from from 1898 or 1896, 1896. No, I'm sorry, 1898, does take place in Surrey, England. It is a little bit closer to this story here as far as like the focusing on a a small group of humans, <laughs> small group of humans, small group <laughs> of people who are like, who are, again, trying to decide what they're doing. The art- artilleryman, I think, is um, is part of the story. fleet we came upon an inn but it was deserted is everybody dead not everybody look six is the h is in the hg well story so this one's this one's closer to that story and there was a a a tv series a bbc tv series just a few years ago and i don't know if they kept it going because we watched the first season but it also it also follows this story and presumably the original. I never read the original okay, H.G. Wells. So, you know, now that you say that, I read the original yeah. but back when I was, I don't know, junior high, whatever. Back when you were forced to read it. Yeah, probably, it was one of those right? things. Yeah. That, but now saying that H.G. Wells being a, 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 an English author totally makes sense that it takes place in English. Right. There's no way he would set it in New Jersey. In Grover's Mill, New Jersey, yeah. Because yeah. we just, I actually, my my old, my youngest just finished reading The Time Machine. So she read hmm. the book and then we watched the movie. And, uh, so that was, it was just, it, you know, it totally makes sense now. So I, I do yeah. uh, appreciate the correction. Oh, sure. Well, and, yeah. Uh, we're, nice. Thanks for having my back. Cause I don't need another rush guy. <laughs> you don't need life. another email from somebody. Um, well, actually. Yeah. I don't, don't um, do impersonations of the audience. That's not nice. <laughs> I told you that, that before. One, just that one comic book guy <laughs> member of the audience. Just that one guy. 
Um, anyway, so so Jeff Wayne gets everybody to or gets this, these people together. He composes and and uh, and arranges this version of the War of the Worlds. This kind of just as much musical as it is like radio drama kind yeah. of thing. Um, and then gets David Essex, who we know from uh, uh, that song "Rock On." Hey, kids, yep. rock and roll, yep. rock on. Uh, Justin Hayward, of course, of the Moody Blues. Phil Anat from uh, Thin Lizzy. Chris Thompson, who is a member of Manfred Man's Earth Band, who's the vocalist for "Blinded by the Light." So, if you're like, yep. uh, "Who's Christopher Thompson?" That's that's who he is. Although, you know, everybody always thinks that it's Manfred Man singing in that song. Yep. Um, They're wrong. They're wrong. And then Julie Covington, who did Don't Cry For Me, Argentina for Evita. And finally, throughout this whole thing, uh, Richard Burton, uh, you know, who's done every Shakespeare uh, adaptation ever made and, uh, and narrates this thing. For three days, I fought my way along roads packed with refugees, the homeless, burdened with boxes and bundles containing their valuables. All that was of value to me was in London. By the time I reached their little red brick house, Carrie and her father were gone. The, um, when I was a kid, so when I was in high school, I had a theater class. And one of our projects for the year was to, um, and this was early on, I want to say it was even maybe one of the first projects we had to do, is memorize and perform a... Um, like a soliloquy or a, um, is there another term for that? Monologue. Monologue, yeah, there we go, and, and perform a monologue. And the one I chose was the one from the opening of this, which is, uh, uh, you know, Earth could hardly imagine that we were being watched, and da 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 I didn't do it. No, did I? I think I did try to do it in the British accent. Well, and too. what's funny is now you say that, and I think of King and Kodo sitting around up there watching. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, hey, Kang, Ula. <laughs> yeah, so that was the thing I had to memorize and perform in front of the uh, the class was the opening, you know, four or five minutes, Richard Burton's uh, introduction to the War of the Worlds. So, uh, and, and, and from this thing, you know, I told you that you'll listen to this and you'll be like, oh, I recognize this. Was this the first time you had heard the song Forever Autumn or had you heard it before? Being a prog guy, oh, Moody Blues certainly yeah, fitting Yeah, I have heard prog. it before. It's just that I, I, it took me a long time to put it in context. It's one of those things where I'm like, sure. why am I singing along? Why do I know this? Yeah, yeah. And then I think it was like the second time through, I pulled on that memory string just enough to kind of make it fall in place. It's it's uh, It totally is. It's one of those things that for whatever reason ended up on radio. Right, this this single from this um, from this musical, and I'm sure for the single, I don't remember this for sure, but I'm guessing that they had to have stripped out all of the narration that takes place. Oh, I, I yes, I'm absolutely positive they would have done because otherwise you're listening to the radio and it's like, and with that the artillerymen headed to the shore to go and try and board the. <laughs> <laughs> Like the sun through the trees, you came to love me. Like a leaf on a breeze, you blew away. But it's, uh, 
it is so, when you look at the lyrics, you listen to the lyrics of this song. It is such a heartbreaking, um, heartbreaking song. You know, like talking about, oh yeah, all this stuff that I'm experiencing here, even without the backdrop of War of the Worlds, it fits. It works on its own, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you're just a dude who's sitting there watching the leaves fall off the tree and saying, oh, you would, it would have been fun. You like this time of year, but yeah, you're not here. It's, it's kind like, of oh, like, yeah. it's kind of like the song, um, I'll be home for Christmas. Uh, yeah, when right, you listen to right. it, you, you think, it's wow, like, oh, that's sweet. really he sweet. To, yeah. He just wants to be home <laughs> for Christmas. But then you put it in the backdrop of a guy writing it in a foxhole as a letter he's right. writing in a foxhole. Yeah, uh, if only in my dreams. Yeah. Like, oh, well, crap, you jerk. Yeah. It's, it's, it changes the, it changes it quite drastically. And all of a sudden it, it, it changes everything. Yeah, it really does. It's like it it goes from being this like, oh my God, she was on that ship that got completely destroyed by the aliens to, <laughs> oh, my wife done up and left me, but still yeah. just as yeah. freaking heartbreaking. Hey, almost a country yeah. song because really they change aliens really with tornadoes is. in house or yeah. ship with trailer. It's a song about tornadoes. <laughs> and change a, a woman to dog. <laughs> <laughs> Or pickup truck. <laughs> or pickup truck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, my pickup truck always loved this time of year, hauling leaves. Anyway, uh, I wasn't an impersonating member of our audience <laughs> that time. <laughs> This was something that, so this was introduced to me by my uncle. We've talked about Uncle George a lot on this show as far as a a musical influence on me. And he did something that I'm so glad he did because of the impact it made is that he he said, all right, you're going to listen to this thing all the way through and you're going to read the lyrics and the story because the when you buy the vinyl album, it's a big, thick, freaking yeah. double album with a basically a booklet in the middle that's got all the lyrics and all the narration and and beautiful illustrations of uh, of everything. And going through, it's like, oh my God, because now whenever I hear this, I think of those illustrations. I think of basically laying on the floor of his room with the headphones with the curly cable going to his <laughs> his stereo and his his pioneer turntable with the little weird red crystal thing that made the uh uh the weird boxes on the side all yeah. line up and uh-huh. stuff. <laughs> sure there's I know there's a better name for that. Yeah, it, but it, yeah, but the thing is is there's 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 a certain segment of the population that's nodding their head. Yeah. And there's another segment of the population going, okay, old man. Exactly. Totally. Okay, boomer. Like (laughs) red crystal thing. All right. Oh, was there a uh, you know a a, a phone on the wall with a cord that you had to spin your finger around? It was the same curly. It was the same curly phone cord on the headphones. Same cord. Yeah. Yeah. And heaven forbid you ever uh, let the cross the streams and Uh intertwine those things because take you hours to or pull, pull it too hard and pull the coil out so the coils weren't yes used. oh gosh drove me yes bonkers. so you end up with that weird anti-coil yep. that like somewhere in the middle of it that's like you'll never get it back yep. into its original yep. shape you busted the dna of the cord <laughs> totally did you, you re-sequenced the gene of your phone <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, so great. as i listen to this 
I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. And I kind of did that. I actually, I didn't pull out the lyrics and all that stuff, but I did sure. uh, put it on and I wasn't in the car. I had uh, a nice pair of Bose head headphones I put nice. on and, and just focused I just on, sat there yeah. kind of in a darkened area of the, of my house and just listened to it. Cause I was home by myself, you know, I mean, Audrey was off doing something you know, for schoolwork, but Sid was gone and Stacy was gone. So I just sat there and listened. It reminded me of the first time I listened to Operation Mindcrime by Queensryche. Hmm. Okay. Because right. that's a very similar, you, you need to do that the very first time you actually want to experience that album. That's a highly recommended way of doing it. Cause really, okay. a, it's a major concept album with a serious storyline going through it and dropping in and out, not really paying attention. You miss a lot of things. So in the eventuality we cover Queensryche, that's what I'm going to tell you to do with Operation Mindcrime. Fair uh, enough. But and the, but I have done that. I've done that a couple times this year. There's a an album that came out of last oh it was late last year called Mythologies, by a classical composer uh, Donna Ave Lass, and she did a piano vocal, you know, musical thing, talking about the stories of you know the Odyssey, and mm, okay, yeah, and when I when I hit play on it. On my in my office, I'm like, oh no, I gotta do I gotta do this the right way. So I packed up, put the headphones on, sat in a darkened room, laid on the sofa, and, and listened to it from front to back. And those uh, those albums are few and far between, but when you give them that time, they really hit yeah. you. And this is one of those albums. When when people go and listen to this on iTunes or wherever you listen to it, mm-hmm. do that. Do yourself that favor because the green flash it in will the sky. enhance the experience. The demons were here all along. In our hearts and souls, just waiting for a sign from him. And now they're destroying our world. But they're not devils, they're Martians. We must leave here. Look, the house still standing. Come, Nathaniel, quickly. We took shelter in a cottage, and black smoke spread, hemming us in. Then the fighting machine came across the field, spraying jets. Definitely. It becomes such a such a multi-sensory experience not just the music but the visuals you're seeing in your head and the story and it will it 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 will like make your um it'll improve the experience tenfold because yeah. it's so it's so all-encompassing and it's you know, hard to, using, yeah i was gonna right. say it's hard to car- carve out time to do this so i'm not saying it's easy to do right but for this album I would highly recommend doing it. It's one of those things yeah. where I, I won't say this very often, but give this album your attention. Yeah. It's just over an hour and a half. It's 94 minutes or 95 minutes. So an hour and 35 minutes. And, uh, but it's, it's so good. And you will, uh, if you do it, if you, if you promise to do it and you do it, you will, uh, you can thank us for it, yeah. <laughs> for doing, for suggesting that you do it. Um, let's talk about some of the weird adaptations this thing has, because this blew my mind. We discovered this when you and I were looking at this during the last, you got to listen to this, that there was actually not one, not two, but three video games based on this musical. <laughs> the first one for the Sinclair ZX, which come on, I don't think anyone's ever going to see that one. Uh, but then there's this this one in 1998 called, uh, or, or a, a real-time strategy game 
uh, created by Rage Software. And there are videos of people playing this on YouTube. And I watched watched a couple of them. You have your choice of playing it through the eyes of the aliens or through the humans. And it plays a lot like Risk. Uh-huh. You're looking at a map of the UK and you and the aliens are are basically going back and forth trying to take over the land. And it's, but it's interwoven with uh, like quick time cutscenes of the music and some some rudimentary some 1998 level animation. Um, so this looks it, it, from what you're describing. It sounds like it came out around the same time the the original Mist did. 98. Yeah, I guess I think. Oh no, Mist was a little earlier than that. 95. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, that similar style of postage stamp. Similar video. style. Yeah, and it's exactly, and it's you know very interlaced and very uh, lawnmower man looking three dimensional kind of stuff. But it's it's interesting to watch this thing and watch this this game being played now. Then in 1998, or I'm sorry, 1999, PlayStation comes out with a third person shooter based on this. I want to find this and I want to play it. I'm sure there's a way that I can. Oh, you've got your emulator. Make, I'm sure. Just a matter of finding the. The, the ROM mod, for yeah, it. The ROM file for it, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I want to play this on my Steam Deck or something. I'm sure there's a, I'll have to look for it. But um, it was never released in North America, which makes things a little bit tougher. This is like UK only. But it's basically a, um, more of a vehicular format and you're using, you know, uh, armored cars, military vehicles, motorcycles, etc. to fight the Martian invaders. But it does still have music uh from the uh from the the play or sorry from the musical yeah it's it's really really uh so you're describing uh, gta london alien attack it's more like i'm describing uh twisted metal with (laughs) with hg wells twisted metal is kind of way the way i'm visualizing this thing so I'm gonna to have to look for that and see. I've got one of those. I've got one of those uh, Raspberry Pi boxes that have hundred thousand oh, yeah, like, games on it. I'm wondering if yeah. it's on there. I, I mean, I looked be. for it, so it might. I'll have to look for it. Yeah, it certainly could be. Um, you know, while we're doing this in the background, I'm just gonna check Steam and just see if there's a uh, if there's a, a way to do it. The one thing that um, while you're doing that, I'll I'll, I'll talk a little bit. And yeah, there yeah. was in 2005 there was a seven disc box set with the hybrid audio surround sound, all the all the different DVDs, all the different you know video representations that had been done, all the different audio things and all that. Uh, I went looking for that today, and uh, it is not just hard to find; it's impossible to find. It really is. Yeah, there's um. What was one of the things listed here? Like an animated film, 2004, an animated CGI. Oh, here it is. So there was an animated film. It never materialized. Test footage was released of some Martian machines, but the film itself never materialized, which is kind of a bummer. But then, yeah, you get all the different concert. I shall uh, burn them with my holy cross. I shall. The curious eye of a Martian appeared at the window slit and a menacing claw explored the room. I dragged the parson down to the coal cellar. I heard the Martian fumbling at the latch. In the darkness, I could see the claw touching things. Walls, coal, wood. And then it touched my boots. So I I went looking for that today in earnest and came up uh, snake eyes. So I'm I'm a little disappointed because I would would have liked to... 
obtained that because those are the kind of box sets I like where you get a ton of extra stuff. Like I've got the Tales of Michigan yeah. Imagination one. I really want the the Alan Parsons Eye in the Sky one for obvious reasons. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the sure. Porcupine Tree in Abstentia big art book set. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Misplaced Childhood, the Marillion big, you know, expensive multiple CD collection. I've got one of those. So, I mean, I'm into those kind of box sets because that's where you get all this. It's, it's, it's the behind the scenes features of music. Exactly. Exactly. It's the reason you buy the, it's the reason you get the special editions on the Blu-rays because you want the special editions and all the commentaries. You want all that extra stuff. You're going to get the, you know, you can get the songs on, on iTunes or Spotify or wherever. You can hear all the different, even the different concert versions, but it's all those like, oh, here's some alternative audio. And there was a thing released that I actually did buy, now that you say that, came out, I want to say last year or two years ago, but it it is a deluxe edition with a bunch of outtakes different like um uh different versions of the narrations mm-hmm. like it's it's i'm looking to see if there's uh there we go reissues and other versions and i'm thinking it's going to be where is it seven disc collector's edition super audio cd that might be it you got that that's the one i've been looking for that was what i was looking for and couldn't find i thought i bought it on uh i swear to god i thought i bought it on itunes let me see here but if you didn't find it there, then maybe not. Well, no, maybe I was no actually I... looking for the physical copy. I didn't even look on iTunes. You're looking, looking for, for yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, let's just see if if I because I want the hybrid sure. audio. Yeah, here we go. So it's like I have scream outtakes from Parson Nathaniel. Wild screams, take one. One, one. Here are several screams. The first scream is a well-known scream recorded by. Johnny Wisemuller. Oh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff like this, but you know, five or four minutes of of uh, let's see. Parson Nathaniel was um, was that so? Phil Lynott was the artillery man. Let me see. Was David Essex? Oh no, David Essex was the artillery man. Phil Lynott was Parson Nathaniel. Yes. They clap eyes in us and we're dead, right? So we gotta make a new life where they'll never find us. You know where? Underground. So it looks so like this is basically filling out from Thin Lizzy, giving a bunch of yells. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like in 2022, a UK arena tour was relaunched after the COVID outbreak. And it, and uh, it starred Justin Hayward and other notable oh, really? cast members, including Claire Richards, Beth Duncan, uh, Nathaniel, and Kevin Clifton. Okay. So interesting. Then, yeah. Uh, and there's a DVD filmed at Wembley Arena using 23 high definition cameras. Just so we're clear, wow. they're high definition. <laughs> I mean, basically, uh, Jeff Wayne has made it. He this is his, his Star work. Wars. It's his life's yeah. work. 
it's it's his uh, Terminator Two, or maybe maybe his Avatar. But basically, he is just going to keep re- like doing new versions of this and and doing different tours, different arrangements, all that stuff. towards the sound. It seemed as if that mighty desert of houses had found a voice for its fear and solitude. And, and I mean, he's done other things. Like he, I was reading about him. He'd, he'd done some, made extra money doing advertisements and theme songs for different TV shows and different products and stuff. But this is this is what he's this is what he's done. This is it. Wow. He's uh, uh, so he's M Night oh, Shyamalan Six Sense. This thing, and that's all he's got. <laughs> wow. Yeah the uh, um, the 2011 version has Liam Neeson. As uh, doing the Richard Burton part and uh, Ricky Wilson to, from Kaiser Chiefs. He's trying to save his daughter from the aliens, I bet. That's right. I've got a particular set of skills, aliens. I'm going to be dealing with you. You're going to come after me, and I'm going to take you out of the coughing, including the one most dear to me. All would return. The pulse of life growing stronger and stronger would beat again. Life returns to normal. The question of another attack from Mars causes universal concern. Is our friend uh, safe? The, um, is this time of peace? Uh, but, 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 oh, oh, that thing I was talking about, is, it's 149 tracks and it came out in 2005 and features all of these extra recordings of like outtakes. And um, I mean, it's almost to the point where if you, you, You'd have to really dig to try and arrange the tracks in order so that you could listen to the real, <laughs> <laughs> the real version. Because the Spirit of Man, uh, there's like eight versions of this, and they all say, "Beth outtakes, Beth outtakes, Beth outtakes," and it's like twenty six seconds, eighteen seconds, fifteen seconds. So it's a bunch of outtakes with Julie Covington. I have to send this to Scott to to throw into uh, TMSs and stuff. <laughs> So they've, uh, but I mean, this is kind of what Alan Parsons has done with his deluxe editions. Like if you look at the deluxe edition yeah. of um, uh, Tale of uh, Tales Mystery of Mystery Imagination, Imagination, it's got tons of vocal outtakes and like an Orson Welles outtake and an ad and an interview and uh, vocal scratch tracks and marker tracks and all kinds of weird stuff in there and songs that you didn't even know existed because they never made it to the album because mm. album length was a finite thing in 1980 minutes or something yeah, i know so, it was even less than that it was like 26 minutes yeah, per side or something yeah it was a yeah. finite amount of time uh back in the days mm-hmm. so you know there's all this extra stuff and it's interesting that they can keep that the studios and the labels and all these archivists have kept all this stuff for so long and yet you still can't find all of the first season of doctor who <laughs> no kidding oh that's a that's a bummer oh my god dude i will i'm going to send you a link to something all right this is one of the most more, more recent iterations of this thing in london called jeff wayne's musical version of the war of the worlds the immersive experience that's a mouthful um it is 
a thing you it's like 22,000 square feet in London and you go through the whole experience of the uh of the album so like there's like 24 interactive scenes live actors virtual reality iconic music I want it I want to do this I want to go see this oh me too holy cow look at this oh my god uh there's a trailer. You know what? I hate to say this. Oh, look. When you scroll down to the bottom, though. <laughs> okay. This is kind of funny. There's a uh, a shot of a bunch of people sitting in a wooden boat, all wearing, uh, like, Rift, uh, Oculus Rift or something. <laughs> and it's the silliest looking thing, but I'm sure that's pretty cool. I'm sure those boats rock in, in you know, along with the visuals and, and uh, what's going on, but uh, this makes me feel like they could probably release the VR aspects of this Ooh, as quest. a quest. Yeah. yeah. Going good. The metaverse needs to get their act together first, though. Here at NASA Control yeah, Pasadena. Sure. The landing sure. craft touched down on Mars 28 kilometers from the aim point. We're looking at a remarkable landscape littered with different kinds of rocks. Red, purple. How about that, Bermuda? But okay, so if I go to London next time, I go to London. Uh, this is this is a must. This is so happening. So for Tina's thrill ride, it'll be you driving, and for your thrill ride, you'll go to this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. She'll she'll actually say, "Is there a way that I can bring the quest and watch something else while you drive?" On the wrong side of the road, in the wrong side of the car. With a clutch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, this is just great. Okay. Yeah, this is... Uh, how much are tickets to this thing? Not like it would... Oh, yeah. 24 pounds? That's easy. Yeah, no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend who lives in London She, you know, that I, I talk to once a month for my other show, and I'm wondering if maybe I sent her on a, on a quest to give oh. me a first-hand experience. To experience this. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, this this needs to tour somehow. They need to uh it's like that it's like that place in Vegas you guys went to, except not as yeah. not as weird. Well, it's right. weird. Yeah, Wolf. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. This this is more this kind of falls more into like the um immersive Van Gogh kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Where which can tour, but that's just stuff, cool stuff let's say, but cool uh, stuff projected on walls and you walk through it. This, uh, all right, this, this is like, I want to check this out. Well, now you, now you know what you want to do. Wait when a you go to London. They have a thing called faulty towers, the dining experience. What? Oh what my is this? gosh. What is this? I just rewatched <laughs> that entire series like two weeks ago. I'm curious about what that, what that means. I am uh, sure it's just dinner theater, like teeny, teeny, Tony and oh, Tina's wedding. It, it totally is. Yeah. There's a dude who looks like uh, Basil Fawlty and, uh, and what's her face? Uh, Sybil. Mm -hmm. And, and well, and, Manuel, and, and probably there's, and they a basically, general. there's a general probably there. And Polly, is that her name? Polly. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Now I have two videos I have to go look at as soon as we're done recording this. Yeah, Tony and Tina's wedding's fun. I, I have actually worked is on it, two productions of that. It's really fun. 
That's cool. I remember um, being in Vegas when that was at the Rio and having people come out of that show while I was while I was kind of gambling nearby and hearing them raving about the whole experience. And um, I think with anything like that, if you somehow get looped in and 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 um, and part of the show. Mm-hmm. then you should also get your part of your ticket refunded because now you're a member, you're an actor. And, well, and, uh, it, and it's funny. I've, I've talked to people who've, <laughs> I mean, I know people who've worked on that show and one of the, one of the, one of the people I know, she did it in Jersey. And okay. so it was very much leaning into the whole like nineties, New Jersey thing, eighties, nineties, New Jersey thing. And so the yeah. crowds really got into it and she got into it and, you know, she said it was really hard to stay in character because sometimes it was just too funny because the parody turned into reality and people, <gasps> really? people just oh, got wow. sucked into it. And I participated in one, we went, Stacy and I went to one here in, in Salt Lake not too long, oh, about 20 years ago. And, uh-huh. uh, I topped up and participated then fast forward a year and one of the guys that was in the show was auditioning for something I was stage managing. I'm like, hey, I remember you from Tony and Tina's wedding. And he's like, oh my gosh, it was you. So yeah, it, it totally worked out. It's That's fun. really cool. I, it I worked love out that for him really well too. Yeah. 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 Huh. Cause it was, it's, it's a lot of fun. Those kind of improvisational interactive theater things. If you get the right audience with the right cast, they can be a lot of fun. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It's kind of yeah, like escape sure. rooms with the right group of people, no matter how bad the room is, you have fun. Exactly. And if you have people that are really quick thinking on their feet, like a cast that's really good at thinking on their feet and can stay, you know, because you're going to get schlubs yep. who who think they're funny or try to be, try to be, you know, showier than the cast and that sort of thing. And it's like, nope, you got to figure out a way to not only dial them down, but also turn them into not the butt of the joke, but play into it as like, yeah. oh, you know, without yeah. without calling them out being, oh, look at you. Look well, at it, you trying to impress your friends. <laughs> this friend of mine, Brooke, when she was doing it on the East Coast, she said that they had members of the party but that were kind of in the audience and they'd say, mm-hmm. you know what? This guy's just, he's crossed the line. You need to get him out of here. You need to make him leave. <laughs> and they would escort these misbehaving guests out of the dinner. Uh, they either oh, got really? too drunk or were just being too handsy or too whatever. Okay. And too they basically had, or whatever. Yeah, they yeah. basically had members of the party, quote unquote, basically security guys that would escort these horrible behaving family members out of the party. They didn't deserve to be here and see my happy day. Wow. See, that's a great way of doing it because you stay in character. You get rid of the problem, yep. but yet you stay in character. And you probably even leave some people in the audience thinking, oh, is this uh, a plant? Is this a plant? Yeah. <laughs> That's great, actually. Yeah. That's really, really great. Yeah. So uh, well, back to back to cool. aliens. Yes. So it was interesting. It is interesting that this came out, the the big box that came out in 2005. Yeah. When uh wasn't that when Tom Cruise's movie came out? Um I want to say his was maybe it was, because I was thinking his was earlier, but it was definitely in the 2000s. So uh, let me see here. Tom Cruise's War of the Worlds. Um, that was two. Oh, that was two thousand five. Very good, wow, Hammond. Wow! Look at me. Uh, look at you. So it kind of capitalized probably yep, on, on that release. I'm sure he's like, "Ooh, uh, Tom yeah. Cruise War of the Worlds. I'm going to throw this out here and maybe only get some peripheral Tom Cruise money." Yeah, no kidding. And wonder. Um, 
I remember watching that film. I couldn't tell you where it takes place. Does it take place in the United States yes, since Tom Cruise? Yeah. 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 Okay. Andy Dufresne actually has the best part in that movie. <laughs> Tim Robbins is yeah, in there? Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, he's okay. A, he's the nut job in the basement. Oh, right. He's, he's like, that's the, that is absolutely the best part of that film. Worse than the, the aliens, yeah. right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh crap. I got to get out of this guy's yep. uh, deal. Yep. Yeah, there we go. Brooklyn, New York, beyond New Jersey. So kind of closer to the uh, Orson Welles business than yeah. the uh, H.G. Wells location. Oh, Channing Tatum. Look at the, I forgot all the people who are in this thing. Uh, Ann Robinson. Is it the Ann Robinson who is the weakest link, Ann Robinson? It might have been. Maybe. Dakota Fanning. I remember her as his daughter. Uh, who played Amy his wife? Ryan. Who played his ex-wife? His wife, ex-wife. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, Miranda Otto. That's right. Yeah. Not a great film. Tim Robbins was great. No. Yeah. I wonder if we, we might have watched that for film. I was, gonna ask, I was about to ask if you watched that for film. Sake? Yeah. If not, we need to because it's super sackable. Oh, we've watched absolutely. the original. We've watched the original War of the Worlds, like the old 1950s. We've just figured out how to make things color. Uh, and you know, version. it's funny. Is that one sackable for a whole different set of reasons? That one's sackable yeah. because of its yeah. time period, it, not because its of relevance. Its, yeah, right. It's not because of its Tom Cruisiness of it. Right. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, back to... Uh, <laughs> no, the thing is, is... Back to the Jeff Wayne version. So the thing that really stuck out to me was the absolute progginess of this. This is very much in the vein it's, of, yes, uh, early King Genesis, Crimson. King Crimson. Yeah. There's so many uh, nods to like heavy, heavy 70s prog influences. And I, I thoroughly They're, enjoyed it. And like I said, it really did remind me a lot of the tales of mystery and imagination that Orson Welles narrates... With the fall of the House of Usher. Yeah, I'll need to re-listen to that. Obviously, we listened to it when we did the soundography episode. But I'll need to listen to that again. Episode (laughs) zero. Right, that's right. It was our pilot, our pilot episode. Did you, uh, so we had the YouTube video that we, you sent me the link to. Did you watch any of that, no, by the I, way? No, I, I didn't because I, okay. I I didn't have time. And also, I wanted to do the theater of the mind, and I wanted to do Good. that before I watched their representation of it. So, so uh, when you get time when we're done recording, watch just a couple minutes of it and make sure you see some of the narrator stuff. Because since they don't have Richard Burton anymore, what they did is they took a... Richard Burton face and then had somebody else mouth the narration and they did like a Thunderbirds Thunderbirds animation thing with it that is so distractingly bad. (laughs) Not really Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds, they uh, Thunderbirds were all marionettes. You're talking about like uh Johnny Quest or uh No, oh what was it? It was somebody was uh, the guy's name, it was like uh yes. Um, uh, Johnny shoot. Quest. I know that they also was it Speed Racer that did that too early. Um, if they did, I don't remember that. It was um, I'm looking this up because uh, animation. Uh, oops, mounts. Let's see here. Cheers. No, because I'm a big Jerry Anderson fan, and the Thunderbirds did not use, they were just straight up marionettes. Right, those were marionettes, yeah, totally was. Um, Darn it, I can't, 
It was right. like an old, again, 60s thing. Yep. And it was like, yeah, it was the... And a human uh, mouths over cut out, uh, <laughs> superimposed over yes. over drawn faces. Clutch clutch cargo. That's it. It was it was clutch cargo. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that, except it's a photo of Richard Burton, and they're doing that with with the photo, and it's just so distractingly weird, so dang weird. Anyway, yeah, when we're done here, just watch a few okay, minutes of right, that. Right, and, and, uh, yeah. That kind of stuff. That kind of stuff always is always. Uh, disarming in the most it really is so creepy it takes you out of whatever you're trying to pay attention to with the actors and what they're doing and trying to say you can't because the whole rest of it is so distracting it's like watching uh the rocky horror picture show beginning but they've drawn a stupid face on top of it (laughs) exactly (laughs) yes the dude with no neck um Anyway, all right. Well, that that probably is uh, that's probably good enough to cover all this stuff. I think this is, uh, yeah. So go and just kind of what you take away the TLDR. Go listen to this. Put on a pair of headphones. Sequester yourself without distractions for ninety minutes, and just sit back and enjoy this. If you need to do anything, Google Im- like image search Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds and just look at the illustrations that came with the um, with the original LP. But that's about, you know, that's the only only distraction you should allow yourself. Yeah. There's it's super steampunky imagery. I it's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, no kidding. It is. It's really sinewy, weird red weed. You know, the aliens turn into basically red weed when they come out of their their um their ships, their protective ships, and the oxygen gets them. Smoke aliens so good. every day. Or, I guess not the oxygen, the bacteria in our atmosphere gets them. Uh, all right. Well, good. Well, that, my friends, is going to do it for this edition of Soundography. Uh, on behalf of Hem and Chamberlain, Oola, this is Brandon <laughs> saying thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time right here on Soundography. Part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com.